Hey, what's up? This is episode 067, Focus 40. We are talking about mental models. Let's do it. One, two, three, go. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking Podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Hey there, welcome back to the Designer Thinking Podcast and this is me, your host Karthik and I just wanted to remind you that this episode is a continuation of the last episode which is episode 66 where we started to talk with Indy Young who you know, calls herself a problem space researcher and uh, we talked about a lot of different things in, in the last episode where she went on to talk about what is a problem space and also talked about what she thinks is her secret to success, um, the, the focus that she has on research. And also, she also talked about how she keeps herself productive. So if you haven't really listened to episode 66, I really think you should plan to give that a listen. But that's okay if you are listening to this for the first time. I think you are going to st- uh, nevertheless derive a lot of benefit from uh, what Indy has to share in this episode as well. So if you are listening to this for the first time, then I'd like to quickly give you an introduction to our guest today. Our guest today is a freelance problem space researcher and empathy consultant in the technology world. She helps organizations understand the people they support as humans, not just as users. She was the co-founder of the UX agency Adaptive Path. She has authored two books, Mental Models and Practical Empathy, writes on Medium, and has a newsletter. She also teaches remote and in-person workshops and hosts learning and community on her website. All right, let's jump right back into the conversation with Indy Young. Here we go. I really like the soup analogy. Uh, so, uh, you know, let's let's uh, jump on to. Uh, we'll see, explore some of this in in this next segment, which we will jump onto right now, which I call as the product mindset. Let's explore um, this a little bit. So, what I mean by this product mindset, Indy, is it's a set of, set of beliefs, skills, techniques, and uh, thinking hacks that uh, I believe successful product makers possess that you know allows them to mm-hmm. learn push through challenges setbacks you know like you talked about mastering new skills and more importantly learn from the success of their peers so mm-hmm. indy what are the three most important blanks that come to your mind that you think um you know product makers like designers product managers name it any role that makes product should focus mm-hmm. on in developing this product mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, please note, I call them as blanks because I just don't want to <laughs> stereotype yeah. them into skill or a technique. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, well, I think everything is important. Um, I will prioritize from my own point of view, which is mm-hmm. um, really uh, spend 
uh, time, pause, simmer, right? The, the time is important here. Mm-hmm. And I know that we live in a world where it's rush, 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 get it out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but things always get better if you spend a little time with it. So I think that's a number one most important thing. Um, the second thing is to learn how to understand another person learn how to recognize when you're making your own assumptions or you're thinking out of your own experience or you're thinking out of limited outside perspective. Like Mm. you've got one or two customers who have said this and, you know, don't go making your design decisions based on that. Make sure that you are uh, sort of canvassing the, the entire potential Uh, and maybe even not the entire potential part of the, the potential that's out there there were so many products out there have been built for the people who are building them. Mm, <laughs> right. Um, and, and we know that and we're admitting it now. Um, and I, I'm, I don't care to point fingers. I know that Eric Meyer um, also doesn't point fingers. He says, you know, it's just, it's just the way we've done things. It's the way, the way our organizations are run and the way this hurry, hurry, hurry is forcing us to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as we're aware of it, I think if we cultivate our awareness of it, of those assumptions, awareness that there are other perspectives out there and awareness that we can support other people if we're interested in them. Um, there is this concept of long tail mm-hmm. and true to date I would say most digital project products have gone after the head, not the long tail. Hmm. There are, are lots of other people out there who have different styles of thinking that can also be supported and there is market for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not individually a big market, right? You know, per set, but there's, there's stuff out there that we can do. Um, and it doesn't come for that much more because our, the base can probably be the same. What I'm talking about is front ends. What I'm talking about is the way that someone interacts with something. Um, I did a, a bunch of studies in series for an airline mm-hmm. and discovered four different behavioral audience segments and built a huge mental model diagram that emphasized really different ways that an airline could support different styles of thinking. Um, the airline is is not is they're too afraid to change their business model. They're too afraid to, to try to reach out and support these different thinking styles. Hmm. So they haven't done it yet, but it's out there. All of that data is there, and it it can be capitalized upon. I mean, if I wanted to go start an airline, mm-hmm. we 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 could go somewhere with it, and I'm sure that it would. Uh, attract a lot of attention because it's paying attention to the different approaches that people have in getting from point A to point B. Uh, aside from the, oh, well, when you come to an airline, you have to make a reservation mm-hmm. or pretend to make a reservation just to find out some information. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and then the third important area is your communication. Um, and communication doesn't just mean words. Uh, it also means visuals. Um, I know my friend Christina Woodkey uh, really emphasizes, oh, and Kevin Chang as well, emphasize um, being able to draw to communicate. 
Um, mm-hmm. Dan Rome, back of the napkin, being able to communicate. Um, I don't draw <laughs> that much. I mean, I don't do like that kind of story presentation mm-hmm. as much. I would like to. Um, I would love to be able to do more of a story arc with my communications. Um, and, and so that's a learning thing for me. I'm always open to trying to improve what I do for my clients. Um, so, so that's, you know, one area I also communicate via my diagrams. Hmm. So the mental model diagram is a very important one. Um, being able to juxtapose information and highlight information um, and highlight it in different ways as well. Um, there's a, a plugin for ClickSense that you can use. It's freely downloadable to look at mental model diagram data in mm-hmm. a bunch of different ways. You can slice it and dice it. And I think that's super important um, to help people within an organization, especially um, stakeholders, see the importance of, uh, you know, of the detail of a certain area rather than just the, the entire thing at once. Um, and communicating verbally, communicating person to person, um, getting away from this paradigm of like, oh, I'm going to make a report and I'm going to say all these really important things that I'm passionate about in the report and then I'm going to dump it on somebody's desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, reports can't speak for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So um, this idea, like I was saying earlier of high touch, of really focusing on um, developing your relationship with the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. And your relationship with the people that you haven't yet worked with within your organization that you really um, could benefit from having a relationship with. You mm-hmm. know, it, it doesn't have to be, oh, we'll go have lunch every week, but go, you know, have lunch every month. I don't know, something. Um, but cooperate. Look, uh, look out for opportunities for generosity. Um, sharing of ideas, um, supporting other people in what they're doing, and being curious about what they're up to. So using mm-hmm. every opportunity in your communication with people to listen. And I truly think listening, if I had four, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. the number one one, you know, taking the time is really all about listening. Mm-hmm. Um, the the key is to spend that time and hear what other people have to say without letting your own mind run. Mm-hmm. Your own mind is going to want to fix things. You know, I, oh, I can fix that. Oh, I know what the answer is to that. Uh, instead, just like turn it off. Just listen. Mm-hmm. See if you understand what they're saying and ask them and sort of feedback. Like, I heard you say this. Is that the right interpretation? And get deep into it. Get past the the sort of shell everybody has around them where they say, okay, this is me. These are my preferences, my opinions. This is my explanation of what's happening and and how it needs to work. Get past that, get down into their inner reasoning. Like, why are they saying that? Why are they thinking that? Where did that thinking come from? How did it develop? What were the guiding principles behind it? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And that is actually developing empathy. Wow. Beautiful. So uh, you, you gave a bonus extra, so <laughs> so that's that's great. So, uh, in fact, uh, you know, uh, the, the the whole visual thinking is something that I recently spoke and um, <clears throat> with Kate Rada, 
back mm, in yes. episodes 51 and 52 and um, mm-hmm. and also um, I should have mentioned act- her yes <laughs> active listening is another uh, uh, interesting thing you know I I heard this um term from Matt Lee May again uh, he was in the show back in I think episode 16 um so mm-hmm. uh you know we've talked about mental models uh, you mentioned about mental models so much now i mean one thing i've gotten fascinated ever since i spoke uh, with kate rotter uh, is with this whole visual thinking thing and i've been uh, trust me on this i've been kind of uh, using a lot of papers and uh, i've already exhausted a couple of uh, pens uh, mm-hmm. trying to do you know draw men- uh, sorry draw uh, stuff visually so ex- explain mm-hmm. my thoughts visually so um talking about mental models you did mention that uh, in mental models you jump into certain areas deeper and stuff like that so can you is there a way you can define uh, for those of us listening uh listening in who's wondering at this point what is this mental model i mean she talks about something like um reading what people think and also you say in the bottom you re- made this couple of uh, times you said in the bottom you write about how you think from the product perspective or the solution perspective uh, so can you talk about a can you give my listeners a broad idea of what a mental model is very quickly yeah yeah it, it's uh, again it's a visual thing so it's kind of hard to um describe without waving my hands around or showing you a picture <laughs> Um so those of you who are listening you can pop over to indyyoung.com and there is a mental model diagram right there on that page. Um but essentially it's a it's a backbone diagram or people have described it as a fishbone diagram. So there is a long horizontal line. Uh above the line uh are a bunch of towers like uh sk- city skyline. Below the line are reflections of those towers like that city is on a lake um and and you can see those towers reflected in there the towers have um little windows in them and those windows contain voices hmm. those voices right now are represented uh by text mm-hmm. uh in the future uh i'm hoping to be able to click on those voices and you can actually see the see the transcripts or listen to the transcripts hmm. um of actual individuals talking about this thing in within this pattern but what the top of that mental model diagram represents those towers in the city skyline represents sort of the 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 semi chronological way that people are thinking their way toward a uh, a a particular purpose or intent Um so for example um I did research for a uh fast food restaurant they called themselves a quick serve restaurant give mm-hmm. yourself a chuckle um and so what I wanted to find out was not how you know somebody uses that restaurant but how do people decide what to get for lunch mm. okay so it starts out with the idea of you know like am i hungry or not is this is it time to eat um it explores the idea of you know what's available mm-hmm. what, you know did i bring my lunch with me am i going to go grab something um what's available out there to go grab um who's going to come with me it explores that as well and you know how do we decide what if i went and had 
um, you know, certain kind of food last night, like a, a certain style of food, say burrito, mm-hmm. and they all want to go have a burrito today. And there was like this great <laughs> hue and cry for not having a burrito once again within <laughs> the first right. 24 hours. <laughs> um, not everybody thinks that way. Right. Mm. But there there is a thinking style. It's like, I don't want to repeat that. Um, others are thinking, you know, gosh, I, I had that slice of dessert cake last night. And um, to be healthy, I really um, should have a, a salad for lunch mm. to sort of offset that that style of thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the you know it continues on with all these different towers sort of going through the like oh you know I've gotten to this place but gosh it's really crowded and I don't have enough time or I'm thinking about time and how much time I have to allow myself uh, for lunch mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking about changing my decision as to where to go based on the amount of time that I have um, and you know, actually down to getting the thing, getting the food, deciding whether it's the right food, mm-hmm. <laughs> having reactions to the food, doing something about those reactions. Um, and, and that's pretty much the end of that uh, mental model diagram. So how can a restaurant then, for the bottom half of the mental model, support those different towers? So what it's doing is is taking apart that restaurant's offerings Mm-hmm. Right. And saying, OK, how does this relate to somebody who had a slice of cake last night and wants something that's going to offset the cake? Mm. How do we support that? Beautiful. Right. Yeah. So there, there are lots of ways to support that might already be supported somewhat. You could probably, you know, add to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also add to it from different perspectives, different behavioral audience segments. Beautiful. So it's not essentially uh, one-to-one mapping to uh, of of the mental, not model, but then one tower to a feature. It's essentially yeah. It's a one-to-many. Yeah. It's, it's up to us to kind of um, think how we want to leverage that uh, tower. I mean, how how we can address the needs in in a tower across mm-hmm. the product or the experience. Yes, you've got it. You've got it. And one of the ways is um, if it's if it's one to many and the many is like uh, it can't really decide what it should be. That's a measurement of weakness. It means that that feature is not really doing anything for anybody. Mm -hmm. It's supporting a bunch of towers, kind of, sort of. But it's not really designed for a particular way of thinking, a, a particular part of the mental model diagram. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, Indy, uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm getting conscious of the time here. I think we're having a oh, yeah. great conversation. I, I would love to drift down this road because, you know, like I said in the beginning, I, I really am a little, I, I can get a lot deeper into this if we had the time. So um, let's, let's perhaps move into the last part of a chat, uh, which I call as a crystal ball. <laughs> so Indy, essentially, it's based on the fact that we all have opinions right so while some of these opinions by themselves may not be that very important uh, at this point in time uh, they sometimes um, bring in these interesting perspectives that you know could trigger newer conversations about the future of products uh, and the disciplines related to products in this case it could be product management design user experience whatever so 
Indeed, the notion of product itself has evolved so much, uh, you know, over a period in time. Today, we're talking about digital products, APIs, um, user interfaces, no interfaces, and Internet mm-hmm. of Things, so many different things. How do you mm-hmm. see the notion of uh, products change in the next five years, Indy? Hmm. Um, I hope, this is, and I'm actually probably pushing it out to 10 years. I'm not so sure it would happen mm-hmm. in five years. <laughs> mm-hmm. My hope is that we are going to do something that I mentioned a little bit earlier, which is think of our products not as a product, but as a set of solutions that support a set of different, various, diverse thinking styles. Mm. So I think there's a big, um, I, I would really like to see the change happen that we stop thinking of a prob- product, a solution, a killer app, you know, an idea. This is my killer idea. Uh, instead, it's, you know, here's a, 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 a sort of a seed for something and it can sprout in a lot of different ways and support a lot of different thinking styles. Mm-hmm. So different um I was mentioning like the code base at different front ends and stuff, but it could be even more complex than that. I can't describe what that complexity is going to look like in 10 years, mm-hmm. um, but I want that complexity to happen. I want someone to be able to say, hey, I want to interact with this particular brand, this particular company or organization, um, but I can choose how I want to interact with them based on the way that I think my way toward a particular intent. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and um, just if I had to flip, the, flip to the other side uh, and ask you how, how you see the roles. I mean, today we have different roles. Like I said, uh, we have product managers, designers, and everything. So how do you see these roles evolving in, in, in the same timeline that we're talking about in this case? You just said 10 years. Yeah. I, well, I suspect... Um, that product managers and user experience folks will sort of become the same thing, the same thinkers, um, mm. the people who are making the strategic decisions, the people who are sort of guiding or providing leadership for the innovation, um, the people who are helping with the pivot decisions um, and the design decisions. Um, I think it's sort of maybe they'll become the framers in a way, the, mm-hmm. the, the people who say, hey, I identify these dark spaces, we need to explore them. I see these two two paths forward, we need some more paths forward so we can decide what our priorities are. Um, I want to just uh, help everybody on the team think in a plurality, think mm-hmm. in terms of like multiple ways to support different people, diverse ways of thinking. Um, and so I kind of think that's where we're headed. Nice. Think plural. That's a nice way of putting it. So, uh, you know, here in the community, we, you know, one thing I really uh, push my listeners and uh, my, uh, you know, I have a a growing email list. Uh, I I always push them to take action, Indy. So if there is one thing I could ask you this point uh, that you would like my listeners and, um, you know, the audience to do, what would it be? It would be to spend maybe 15 minutes writing down the areas where you think you're operating on assumptions. Mm -hmm. 
and writing down or maybe even just thinking about how you could engineer a, a space of time to go and explore those areas mm-hmm. to, to make it so that you're not operating on assumptions. So to be able to sort of um, quantify a couple of those maybe to begin with mm-hmm. and begin uh, the thought exercise of, well, how would that actually happen in my organization? I mean, we're going a million miles an hour or, you know, I only get paid for certain to do certain things and, and how can I make this happen? Is it, something that I go and talk to my managers about? Is it something that I give a a talk or a presentation about? Is it something that I go have a whole ton of one-on-ones with people about? Is it something where I do it um, on my own time during lunch hours and Mm -hmm. try to, uh, I've had people go, they call it guerrilla research um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and then come up with some data that I can then present. But how, how, what form could it take? Beautiful. And early on, you talked about uh, the mental model uh, for the airline. So is that available for download in your uh, blog? No, no, that's proprietary. Yeah, I do have a... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Most of my stuff is proprietary uh, for the clients that I work with. Um, But I do have a couple of things, some fun things. I have a a dog mental model diagram. Mm. How dogs, what, what makes dogs tick, and, and a cat mental model diagram. Um, and soon I'm going to present two other ones. One is about, um, it's research that I've done myself so that I can mm-hmm. release it. Um, one is about uh, near miss accidents, and another one is about deciding to go to a performance. There are also, and I'm going to make these available soon on a a new part of my website that's community based. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a couple of folks who have done this in the academic world or the healthcare world. Mm -hmm. So HealthWise um, has published in JMIR, the journal internet, uh, journal of internet medicine, uh, blah, 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 something, (laughs) JMIR. And uh, then another group uh, who's working with um, employers and the uh, the laws about making sure you employ people with disabilities mm-hmm. and how to support that, and they've released theirs along with an academic paper. Um, those are those links are. I can't remember if I've actually got them published on my website or if they're waiting in the wings. Um, but those are those are a couple of things that you can download as well. Oh, great! Uh, I'll have the links. Uh, I'll reach out to you after the after the show and uh, get those mm-hmm. links and put them on the show notes. So. A um, uh, quick thing, you wrote a book, like we, I, I hinted in the beginning of this um, chat, that came out, of course, a couple of years back. Uh, you know, I, probably you're not really promoting this at this point, but I would like to understand. It's called The Practical Empathy for Collaboration and Creativity in Your Work. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I love anything that talks about developing this empathy but then since you said for collaboration and creativity in your work what what's the premise that you're driving in this book and where can people find it if they wanted to get a copy of it yeah yeah it's uh i've got links on my website with a discount code um so you can order it direct from the publisher you can also download digital versions um from the publisher Mm -hmm. or from amazon um hoping that one of those is going to work. Uh, they, they have pretty good global reach. <laughs> right. um, so, so that's good. And the, and the premise there 
is that there are many definitions of the word empathy. Mm. Um, what I'm working with is the definition of cognitive empathy, which is a conscious intent to reach out and understand how another person thinks, to understand their reasoning, their reactions, and to understand their guiding principles. And then to use that, like I was saying, to create that soup, to simmer that soup together, to look for those patterns, mm -hmm. um, that is how I collect the data that I use to put into the mental model diagrams and the data that I use to create the behavioral audience segments. Beautiful. Um, great. It's been a lovely chat. So do you have any last thoughts before we kind of drew the curtain down, Indy? Yeah, there's uh, one other book I want to recommend, and it's written by Dave Gray. He's uh, from Explain. Um, it's called Liminal Thinking. Hmm. Uh, liminal means threshold. It's kind of like, you know, an out-of-the-box thinking. It's uh, teaching you a new uh, mindset mm -hmm. um, for being aware of your assumptions. And I think it's very helpful for that particular priority that i mentioned beautiful i'll i'll have the i'll, I'll check out that book and then have the link on the show notes as well so it's been a pleasure uh indy where can people find you once they finish listening uh, to this episode uh it's my website is indyyoung.com i-n-d-i-y-o-u-n-g and i also have a newsletter that you can sign up for Excellent. So, um, you know, I, I know that your website has a bunch of uh, a ton of downloads. So I'll have the links to your newsletter and uh, some of the interesting stuff that we talked about early in the uh, episode. So thank you so much. Indy. it's been a, a lovely chat. Uh, and thank you so much again for taking time in your evening. Yeah, thank you, Karthik, for leading the way and um, providing a forum for everybody to learn and hopefully achieve these these futures that we hope for. All right. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and I really, really hope you got something out of it. I, I really w would like you to give this uh, episode a re-listen if you really missed out on anything because I personally found a lot of nuggets of wisdom uh, that Indy had to share in this episode. So please uh, do give it a, l a listen another time and also listen to the first part of the episode uh, of this conversation, which is in episode 66. All right, that's all I have for today. I really, really hope you uh, you take action, not just listen to these conversations, but also try and put them to practice. I'm putting the links to the mental models that uh, Indy talks about uh, in the show notes. You can access them by heading over to designyourthinking.com slash episode 067. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this show and also if you really like uh, to listen or or get more of this stuff do subscribe to my newsletter you can do that by heading over to designyourthinking.com and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page you'll find a place where you can um, give your first name and your email address do that and i'll see you in, in your inbox very soon and again if you really like listening to the show go and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app if you're using iphone then go jump to itunes or if you're using android stitcher is a great uh, way to listen to fantastic podcasts available out there thank you so much till i see you in the next episode stay tuned stay inspired keep pushing cheers Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com.